Hey everybody, welcome back to our Lenten podcast on the book of Isaiah. Uh, as usual, I'm Brian Belter, joined by some very impressive guests today. You all introduce yourselves. I'm Pastor Gimble. I'm Pastor Meyer. I'm Isaac Conrad. And I'm Shauna Zioko. Thanks all for being here. So today we're going to get into um, chapter 41 in the book of Isaiah, for those of you following along at home. Uh, we've got the first 10 verses that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so let's go ahead and just start off by uh, getting into uh, the scripture. Again, this is Isaiah 41, verses 1 through 10. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him, so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely, by paths his feet have trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, Be strong. The craftsman strengthens with the goldsmith. And he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil. The sing of the soldering, it is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you... Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its furthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my virtuous right hand. All right, thanks everybody. So, where to begin? Oh, this is such a oh, great man. passage. Like everywhere. Ah. <laughs> I get, this this was this this was I mean, we we picked up a little bit on it um when we recorded for earlier in the week uh about how we're in this great section where where God is like going against the idolatry of Israel. And this is one where he like offers this this wonderful promise, but I don't know if we should get there yet because that's kind of like the last two sections of poetry where, where he does that sort of like great reversal and, and God says, I'm going to give you something and it's awesome. It, it's truly awesome. Like that that's right there. That's verse 10, which is our key verse for today. I feel like we should do the thing where we, we do the key verse and everybody goes, ah, you know, <laughs> like in that old TV show. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Yes, but today's yes. verse of the day is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh! Kevin, please adjust the volume on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I have many regrets, and all of them involve volume. Um, <laughs> but let, let, let's go back to the beginning here, though. You know, it, it's still God speaking to His people rather directly. You know, listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the people renew their strength. This is just all, uh, again, 
calling to attention that he's about to tell us something. And it's it's totally borrowing off of what we were reading just before at the end of chapter 40, right? They will rise up on wings like a vulture, right? And they will renew their strength. Like th- this thing doesn't sit in isolation. These verses don't sit completely under themselves. They're continuing in exactly the same train of thought that we were just talking about. I also find it interesting, uh, just in that first verse too, yeah, the people are coming together, but for what reason are they coming together? And it comes right there at the end of verse 1. Let us gather together for judgment. So we know uh, we know maybe what the next kind of word, the theme of the next words are going to be here. It's like the father calling to his children to, you know, the, if all know that they have done something wrong. It's like when my mother... Hey, hey, get over here! Yeah, when mom would, would call Scott, Gary, and Shauna all at the same time, you knew that there was a judgment about to be given. Oh, yeah. Like, this is the divine use of the middle name. Right? Oh, you know God. what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as the middle name drops, you're in trouble, and you know it. <laughs> like, anytime out of my mother's room, Jonathan Vaughn? Like, oh, no. <laughs> like, it was amazing how quickly you could get in the opposite direction <laughs> when the middle name dropped, oh, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Let's draw near for judgment, shall we? God. Let's not. God calling out our middle name. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the accusations that we find here, I guess that's coming up here in the next couple verses of what this judgment is. Well, it, it's, it is also funny because like in two through four, not only do you have history and at the same time, like nearsighted prophecy talking, I think me, I'm, honestly, you got Babylon in here, but you also, you have Persia who's ultimately like God's salvation. So it's like all wrapped up into one. And, and I think... I think that's a little bit interesting because for us as Christians, the the term judgment is not in and of itself. What am I trying to say? Judgment isn't like a one use term, right? When God pours out his judgment, it's both law and gospel to be. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Lutheran. <laughs> but But it is, though, isn't it? Right? Because it's law because there's judgment for sin, but it's also gospel because I know where that judgment's poured out at. And the same things like here in Isaiah's prophecy, it, it's both bad because it means Babylon, but good because it also points to Cyrus. It points to Persia. It points to the return from exile. Right, which contextually yeah. we should probably mention when we're talking about that, that this is, again, right before the exile. So Israel and Judea is about to be crushed and everybody's going to be taken out of the cities, out of Jerusalem taken into the city of ba- uh, the country of Babylon and living as slaves there. And then when he's talking about Cyrus, that's Cyrus the Persian, who is a- another king who ends up overthrowing the Babylonian Empire. And part of his thing that he did for not just the Israelites, but other cultures, was he reestablished their religion, reestablished their culture, at where they were at and wanted them to go back to their status quo. Right. That's and why he's that, important that's what to comes the out Israelites. Like right at the beginning of verse two, right? Yeah. Who stirred up the one from the east? And the answer to the question is the interesting bit, right? Who stirred him up? Who meets victory at every step? Who gives up nations before him? In other words, who's the one who's making Babylon? Who's the one who's making Persia? Didn't we just get into that from chapter 40, right? 
right? Yeah. Were we were we just not talking about that? Who brings princes to nothing and who makes rulers emptiness? Like God is saying, the he's he's bringing up the exact same thing, but in a very real way. And it gives us the answer at the end of verse four: "I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am He." So, you know that's cheating, Isaac. That's cheating. <laughs> is it really cheating if it gives <laughs> us the answer? I was trying to I was trying to sound smart for once, Isaac, but yeah, no, you're smarter. It's called using <laughs> your resources. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, it is, but it, yeah, you're right. It's right there. And and the ideas of first and last. I Point is that a revelation. Right. Yeah, it's, I is am this... the the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, all encompassing. You know, we see that image in Revelation clearly too. I, I'm wondering if this is the first time. Does, is this the first time where God refers to Himself in that way? I, I'm not sure. I think I'm gonna have to look that one up. Did, but didn't He at some point with either Abraham or Moses? I I honestly can't remember off the top of my head. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, but I gotta look that one up. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. It uh, takes place. He'll bring it up again in forty-three, ten, and eleven, forty-four, six, forty-eight, twelve, and then. Uh, a couple times in Revelation 1 and then in Revelation 22. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. This is the establishment of a motif. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's interesting here because this is God, again, stating his control over the workings of the world. You know, it's not this deistic thought that God is just going to start the world and let it spin. This is him being a part of the happenings. Yeah, God's not just like a clockmaker where he winds up the clock and then just lets it run lets it run its course. He still has power over his whole creation. In your face, David Hume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that one's over the head maybe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> It, at Concordia, it was a I'm running a gag for that no, I not, hated no, David Hume. Hume is definitely right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hume did nothing wrong. All right, so let's talk about this power here. I think you get a good glimpse of that power in verses 5, 6, and 7. Oh, yeah. Because it kind of unpacks a little bit specifically as to what that judgment looks like. With the coastland seeing and being afraid and trembling... Uh, everyone's, well, this is kind of funny in, in today's day too, right? right? Verse six, everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be, be healthy, <laughs> be strong, take courage. Oh As yeah. Pastor Meyer just told me to go wash my hands yeah. a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Stay healthy out there, right? Pure L baby. Go ahead and wipe those, wipe those paws. The, so, so <laughs> despite the judgment that God is giving us. He's also giving us that comfort, you know? Well, he is, but he's doing it in a real way. I, here's verse seven, I think, is is really interesting. I think it's really easy to take it in a vacuum, but we might be doing ourselves a disservice there. When he talks about the craftsman and the goldsmith, they're like characters in this section of Isaiah. And we got to go back up previous in chapter 40. And what were the craftsmen and the goldsmith doing? They were making idols, making right? Idol- yeah, right? They're making idols. And look what they do. Look what they do. They're saying and so, they're saying of the soldering, it's good. And so then they do what? <laughs> they strengthen it with nails so that it can't be moved. Like they're not talking about some like grand craft. They're talking about idols, right? They have yeah. to 
secure the idol and make it firm. Even though they look at it and they say the soldering's good, what do they do? Yeah, what's a few nails? They go ahead Better and nail it hatches. down so that right, so so that Prepare it, it for can't the be storm moved. to come. Right. Yeah. And so they're there securing the idol, and then then the payoff comes in verse ten when God says, "I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you." You don't have to worry about the craftsman or the goldsmith and the soldering or the quality of it. You don't have to worry about attaching it with nails. God's going to do that. It's like furniture on a cruise ship, you know? Everything's nailed down. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, you bring that up, and I was just... We, we were on a cruise recently, and I remember we were full chat back. Uh, my wife's standing right here. Was that Bermuda? Where we, like, made the whole voyage up to New York in, like, a day? And we were, like, going, like, 25 knots in stormy seas. And the whole boat's moving around everywhere, but not a piece of furniture. <laughs> it's, it's just like, that's so weird. But anyways, I mean, yeah, batting it down. But we see, though, back to the scripture here, that this is all a, a vain attempt to secure these idols, to make, to make strong, reinforce it with the nails, even though the soldering is good. I mean, what do we just hear in verses 2 through 5? You know, how powerful is God? He can bring kingdoms and kings and rulers and principalities to the ground with just a word. And yet, here they're trying to nail down an idol to keep it secure. I don't think they're going to have much luck with that. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. But, I mean, it, it, this is like eminently relatable today, don't you think? Oh, so much. Definitely. Yeah. God is in I mean, control. We've got, I just saw a Facebook post from one of our pastor colleagues that basically wondered if this this whole COVID-19 is calling us to look at ourselves and see what our idols are because it's kind of smashing down some things that uh, I guess in his perception would say are idols our investments in the stock market or our sports schedules and obsession with sports either on a personal level or a professional level you know all of those things are just kind of gone now and getting people like this big fat gut check now uh, looking at those things yeah and that's that's how you define an idol is when you take it away how bad does it hurt you know because if it hurts a lot then you know that it's important in your life yeah when the world sometimes it can be too much to show or to to have us all like you said have a gut check you know we realize you know right now there's this is kind of an unprecedented you know thing that we're all going through and yet uh it is an opportunity to reflect and to see what what really matters to us and if those things should matter that much to us in the big picture, you know? Yeah. Society is not going to come out of this the same. It's one of those touchstone moments. Right. We're, we're all going to be different 8, 10, 12 weeks from now than we are today. I don't know what a transformation is, but I feel like I've really been changed walking through these woods. <laughs> what? I, I feel like I just missed a dad joke. Did I just miss a dad joke? I'm just quoting Frozen 2. Oh, God. oh uh, my gosh. I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> this will all make sense when I am older. I have purposefully right, not watched this. this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but, uh, we gotta but we're getting to a let's... great passage here. <laughs> Yeah, let's close it out in 8, 9, and 10 here. You, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. 
you whom verse. I took from the ends of the earth and called from his farthest corner, saying to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you, and I have not cast you off. So, everybody, what what section are we now getting into in Elijah? Isaiah, I mean. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Where, where you I'll, I'll leave that one. Yeah. Pastor Andy. Pastor Andy, this one's laying there for you. Oh, wait. <laughs> servant song. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Did I really need to have that one set up on a tee? I think so. I I, okay. I I think the situation called for it there. It's my education degree talking that I like to set people up to give me the answer I want them to say. <laughs> so yeah, we've come to it. The uh, this is kind of the whole purpose uh, behind this. Uh, podcast really that we get to this section to study this suffering servant you know we've talked about that uh, in our in our services during this Lenten season and hey we finally are getting to it so that's good stuff for sure this is where they're not talking about Cyrus anymore that's for sure well yeah we we've we've fixed our eyes completely differently now right and I love the way that this section starts you israel my servant jacob whom i've chosen abraham my friend it just it it uh, makes me whew, shiver a little bit that godly relationship yeah all, yeah, yeah that's what i was gonna say they're all relationship based words mm-hmm. and it's it's a three-tiered it's a three-tiered couplet hey hey where are my <laughs> hebrew grammar friends at huh <laughs> this is important right the rest of the couplets exist in, in in two steps. They all exist in two steps, but here is one three. in three steps. Th- this one is the special emphasis. Like of all the things here, you notice this. This is why God is doing what He's doing, and the three the three different names for the house of Jacob. Right, you are my is servant, my servant Israel, my Jacob whom I chose, and then my offspring. The offspring of Abraham, my friend. There are no ifs, ands, or buts to whom God is talking about, right? The people of Israel. It's that covenant theology right there. Yeah. And now we get to see what he's giving, what the promise he's giving to Israel is. That he has chosen them and not cast them off and that uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. Well, no, you're, well, you're, you're honestly, on a good track. 10, and, yeah. And somebody yeah. read that over again. And, and you're like, you're you're right on. But that that's a message that Israel has to struggle with. Uh, you like, there's an entire other section of prophets that go hand in hand with this. And I was just working through Hosea with some of our members on the Wednesday morning, and we're going to pick that up next next Wednesday. Um, and when God talks to Israel and the prophet Hosea, he says, I'm done. When he talks to him in Jeremiah, when he talks to him in Ezekiel, he, he disowns them is what it looks like. But, but here you go. Here's, here's the reassuring promise. And and this is the enduring promise for, for all of Israel, for all of time. I have chosen you and I have not cast you off. It'll seem like that. When when Babylon comes storming in, it'll look like that. Even when Persia brings you out of exile and brings you into a land and makes it not yours anymore, I'm still with you. Even under the Greeks, the Romans, even under the diaspora, 
I have chosen you. And that's still true for us today, even even in the midst of coronavirus. I have chosen you. And what better promise to deal with? Yeah, so Concordia Publishing House puts out the Pastoral Care Companion, which is like a little miniature hymnal-looking thing, and it always has a bunch of resources when you're ministering to people in various situations. And these verses that we just read are located there during times of illness. And so this is one that I've shared in many a hospital visit as well, just to remind people that regardless of where they're at in their life, that, that God is always with us. I can personally vouch you know, for it's that. A, for it's a false reality that... Sorry, said, go I ahead, can, Brian. I can personally uh, vouch for the veracity of that statement. You, uh, you've shared that verse with me many <laughs> times in my, uh, my struggles the last couple wait. of years. Wait, wait, wait. Did you subtly just say... <laughs> uh, that I use it too much? Is that no, what you're saying? No. no. <laughs> I was just <laughs> just letting folks know that you don't just say these things. You're telling the truth when you. <laughs> that, yeah, that is. A, well, that's true. It's a very comforting verse, and I want to reemphasize it again here. I want to let's read through it one more time, just so we know exactly where we're coming from. Verse ten: Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm comforted. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the the beauty of this passage as well. So it's a misnomer to think that Christians will live in this world without any kind of suffering or uh, rough time in life. You know, you hear a lot of things sometimes about this prosperity gospel, where if you're a Christian, then things are going to be more cushy or nicer for you in some way, shape, or form, but they're not. That's not what the Bible says. So what do you do then as a Christian when the rug gets pulled out from under you? Is You, you turn to verses like this to remind you that, yeah, God's got this. I am your God. I'm going to uphold you with your righteous right hand. And unlike what we saw in verses 6 and 7, where people try and trust in these idols instead, and they try to nail everything down, and that ends up not working. With God, it does work. He does hold us there strong and firm so that we won't fall away. Great contrast and comparison, Isaac. I like that. I didn't catch that before. I'm finding that throughout this uh, book as we do this study that those contrasts are some of the most powerful parts to me that we, we're constantly seeing the, the judgment and wrath that's possible and coming, and then also the, the love, support, strengthening, help that's, that is there as well. I just find that, uh, you know, that, that themes throughout the book of Isaiah here, and I just think that it, when, we, when we take a look at those t- contrasting viewpoints, that that is some of the most uh, powerful, poignant points that are made here. That was my alliteration. I, I think that one of the things that this harkens forward to is um, this passage makes me think about the parable of the prodigal son and how even though the son has gone off and spent all the money and done all these things, when he comes back and is like, you know, just treat me like one of your paid servants, he's, the father's like, no, you are my son. Let's celebrate, you know. 
that even though we may fall away, our status as God's beloved doesn't change. That, you know, he'll be there for us because, and not for us to be dismayed, not He's there to strengthen us, to help us, even though we may go off and follow the shiny thing for a while. You know, he he will be there to catch us at the end. Yeah, and that's something that's very comforting, especially when we're in a time where we're starting to see what we've put our trust into that's starting to fall apart between the stock market and sports and everything in society coming to a halt well on that happy note (laughs) let's go bake some bread (laughs) yay so things are a little different here uh at holy cross in the next couple of weeks uh one of you pastors want to inform us as to our next opportunities to to hear god's word and share in some christian fellowship so um you can always catch us at our live streams uh and for the time being that's going to be sort of the primary way we're going to be able to, I guess, be encouraged by God's word together. Uh, We'll continue on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. You can always find us there at our live stream. You can find that on our website. Um, Be sure to be on the lookout. You can find a a page, holycross.com, and under the About Us and like Staying Connected section, we're piling resources up there. Um, It's it's, uh, resources during distancing uh you can find out what we're doing there and and updates will be posted there regularly we're looking at ways to use facebook live over the coming weeks um morning and evening as a nice devotional time so we can be together in god's word and hopefully so that our bible studies can also continue we're looking at ways to get those going as well Um, but be on the lookout for specific information coming up in the next couple of days yeah, so the main thing is just uh, keep keep checking the website, uh, look for any emails from pastors or church staff, and we'll, we'll keep everybody updated as on the status of our, our goings-on here at Holy Cross. Absolutely. Unfortunately, Brian, we don't get to talk about the, the meals at church for a while. I do miss those conversations. I, w- I was really sad to be missing out on the chicken nuggets and baked potatoes and chili. I was, like, actually supremely disappointed. It feels like it's designed to be like a kid's meal almost, but I, it's one of my favorites because I can't get... Right? <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to admit it, but oh well. I'll put my chicken nuggets uh, in my potato, and then I got something glorious. Oh, yeah. Ch- like never potato, tried that before. nuggets, chili, cheese. Just layer just it all up. stacked together. Oh, yeah, guys, you're making me hungry. Oh, <laughs> oh, I smell dinner cooking upstairs, as a matter of fact. Well, anyways. All right, well... Uh, Let's go ahead and close this out uh, with a word of prayer like we do every episode. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you and thank you again for the gifts you've given, which are new to us this day. But especially do we thank you for the fact that that you you chose us, that, that you claimed us, and that, well, you'll never be far from us. You will strengthen us, you will help us, and you will uphold us at all times. And Lord, especially now, do we need that kind of message. Keep us firm in that hope until we we finally reach that, that day on which it's made sight. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thanks again for joining us on this Isaiah podcast. And again, stay tuned. We'll have updates for our uh, worship and uh, fellowship times on the website and also uh, via email communication as well. So thanks for joining us and come back again for another episode of this Isaiah podcast. And as always, all of our scripture readings do come from the English Standard Version of the Bible.